The COVID-19 pandemic has crippled New York City's street vendors. With foot traffic slowed to a crawl in many neighborhoods, vendors are struggling to make ends meet. And some have decided not to return to the streets because the dollars and cents simply don't add up. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. On today's show, we're talking with Mohamed Atea, director of the Street Vendor Project, along with Ahmed Ibrahim, a hot dog vendor at New York's Rockefeller Center, and Alex Simon Fox, a program officer with the Stavros Niarchos Foundation. The global philanthropic organization has partnered with the Street Vendor Project to employ street vendors to cook and distribute meals to communities in Brooklyn and the Bronx. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having us here. Mohammed, glad to have you. Oh, thanks, George. Thanks for having me. Ahmed, thanks for joining us. Thank you, George. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. So, Mohammed, I want to start with you and sort of get a lay of the land, if you will. What's the past six months been like for street vendors in New York City? Well, it has been as bad as you can imagine. Like street vendors since mid-March have experienced a lot of loss in their businesses, the loss of foot traffic in Manhattan that turned overnight to a ghost town. You can imagine that thousands of street vendors income instantly once the COVID-19 hit the, hit the city. So we have seen, we have seen a lot of uh, calling office complaining about the business loss and they said, we stopped working completely. And that has been the case since mid-March and it's getting worse every day heading to April and May and vendors have been just sitting home and wondering what's going to happen, what tomorrow going to bring them, what the city government and the state government and the federal government would do to support them. And as you would imagine, sadly, there was no support nothing coming up. Mohammed, is it an issue that street vendors don't want to return to the streets simply because it makes no economic sense because the foot traffic still isn't there? Yeah, that's right. And that's the case with most street vendors, especially in Manhattan. I would say that in the outer boroughs, specifically in more like residential areas, a lot of vendors are back to business. But when it gets to Manhattan, I can tell you that not even 10% of the vendors who used to work in Manhattan are working in Manhattan because basically it doesn't make any sense business-wise to cover the daily expenses. I know that there is this misconception that some people have that street vendors don't spend anything. You're out there for free. They don't have overhead. So whatever they make, they put in the pockets. It is really totally wrong. Street vendors still have a lot of expenses just to run the business, just to open the door and get the cards out of the commissary and go to the spots. They just need a couple of hundred dollars just to get that process going. So sometimes it's a lot better to just stay home and keep the cart in the garage. And that's what most vendors we know in Manhattan are doing now. Ahmed, what's your situation right now? Well, my cart's... Um... I attempted to go out one time. It's supposed to be a busy weekend for us, the weekend before the 4th of July. So I figured, let me give it a shot. I've been sitting since the start of the pandemic. Um, so the weekend before the 4th of July, I attempted to go out on a day where usually we would at least make from eight, somewhere from 800 to 1,000 that day. I finished with 48 bucks in business total. And where were you set up? I'm on 49th Street and 6th Avenue, Rockefeller Center, Midtown Manhattan, prime time area. <laughs> and less than $50 in a day. How does that feel? I just kind of gave up after that. You know, that's supposed to be one of 
my solid days out the year. And as you had, as you just heard, you know, less than 50 bucks. So it's it's been pretty rough for us these past six months, you know, especially since I haven't been getting any aid or from the cities or anything, you know, it's, we just been kind of all over the place as vendors at the moment. How have you been able to manage day to day, pay the bills? Um, to be honest with you, I, I am behind on a lot of bills at the moment. Um, I did have some money saved towards a permit that I was supposed to renew in September because uh, as you guys may know, we do purchase a permit from the underground market, which costs $20,000. So I've been kind of tapping into that, which is running really low now. And within these six months, I was supposed to make up the rest of that permit. So even after, the, if the ball does start to get rolling again, I'm not sure how I would even be able to renew my permit and get back into business. Can you talk to me a bit more about what you mentioned there, the underground market and why it's an underground market? Well, I've been a vendor for over nine years now. Nine years, I haven't gotten any paperwork about any uh, permits or anything. My mother, from before me, she's been a vendor for about 30 years, still without a permit as well, waiting on a waiting list and, you know, the cap and the whole process going on with the permits. The underground market, it's kind of just like, you know, you find somebody who's not using his permit, he refuses to let it go. And so we would purchase it from him, just, you know, try to provide for our family and put food on the table. Mohammed, why is it so hard for street vendors to get a permit? Well, so it all started, George, by 1983. Believe it or not, we are now in 2020. We are dealing with a 1983 law that capped the number of food vending permits in the city to 3,000. And of course, as you can imagine, years after years, decades after decades, more immigrants coming to the city, more entrepreneurs want to start their own businesses and they just want to stop working for people, period. Everyone want to get to their American dream, to their business. And if you have a couple of years to start a lovely brick and mortar or a lovely restaurant in Manhattan, you really want to go and start in the street. And now, People come into the business with more vendors want to start their own business and they cannot get a permit from the city. Those lucky ones who were able to get a permit from the city back in the days when the permits were available, they are abusing the system and renting them out to these real vendors like Ahmed and his mother and other vendors who are doing the hard work, working 12 hours on their feet every single day, rain or shine, snow, and 120 degrees, they are out there serving New Yorkers, serving people, do the hard work, and they abuse the system and renting them out for up to $20,000 and $25,000 because they know that vendors like Ahmad cannot get a permit from the legal way. And this is such a very outdated, crazy system. And I mean, even that cab has a really bad impact, not only on vendors like Ahmad who deal with the underground market, but also many other vendors who cannot afford dealing with the underground market who eventually end up selling without a permit despite the fact that they have a food vendor license and they went through the health department class and they know how to protect and serve food. Still not able to get a permit from the city, cannot afford dealing with the underground market, so they sell without a permit, which is very risky. As you would imagine, folks can get arrested, they can get a $1,000 ticket, and they can have their property confiscated. I would imagine that the Street Vendor Project has been advocating to have this cap lifted. What kind of roadblocks have you been hitting? Well, so that has been our fight for the past six years. We launched our campaign, Lift the Caps, 
asking the city for a very logical change. Something that was written back in the 80s is still governing uh, 2014 back then and 2020 today. That makes absolutely no sense. So we, we ask the city to lift the cap on permits and we ask the city to legalize the work of all street vendors and save those thousands and millions of dollars that are being spent every year in the underground market for absolutely no sense. And so far we had, we have like several uh, trials with the city council and the last session there was uh, a big push to get a legislation passed that would have increased the number of permits. And uh, this session with the city council session, we have a legislation before the city council that will increase the number of permits by 4,000 new permits. And that would be like a gradual process over the next 10 years. So hopefully this uh, will pass this year or at least this session. And we are so hopeful because the legislation has a lot of support in the council. So far we have 30 co-sponsors on this legislation out of 51 council members. What do you attribute that change to? And is COVID having an impact there as well because people see the need to do this to get the city and its vendors back out there? Yeah, indeed. I mean, that's we, we always talk to elected officials and to the public about how street vendors have been excluded. I mean, Ahmed now just shared with us that you never received any support from the government. And we're talking about federal government, state government, city government, not even a penny as a small business. No loan, no grant, nothing. So we always say that the least the city can do is to legalize their work and give them permits so they can save thousands of dollars they spend every year or so in the underground market. So that's the least form of recovery. That is the least relief the city can actually do which is provide them with that piece of document that will not only support the street vendors, but help the whole economy. We're talking about, I mean, it's one of the very few bills in the city council, perhaps in the history, that will raise funds to the city, will raise funds to the local economy. And the very unique thing about the nature of street vending in New York City, that it's a very local economy business. Everything is local. I mean, Ahmed doesn't travel to New Jersey to get his hot dogs and his halal food. He buys from the local commissary he parks at. When, when, the car, uh, when the cart broke, he goes to a workshop right in Queens where the technicians fix his cart. Everything in the business from A to Z is local. So the city is losing billions of dollars every year because they are not helping street vendors. So right now, Mohammed, street vendors are simply ineligible, right, for government support, paid sick leave, unemployment insurance, loans, grants, as you mentioned, they're ineligible, they can't apply for them. Well, not, not exactly. I would just, just to be accurate, I would say that street vendors are not eligible for any small business support. So not the individual support. So for example, gotcha. if any vendor is documented, they can apply and they can get uh, unemployment benefits if they have social security number and immigration legal status. But again, for others who are undocumented, they, they don't qualify for anything. And that actually takes it to a, a higher level of being uh, like excluded from everything, not only the small business relief, but also the individual relief. I mean, folks who are undocumented, as you would imagine, they didn't receive the unemployment. They didn't receive any kind of support 
in any level. Ahmed, Mohammed referenced the fact that many street vendors simply want to pursue the American dream. You mentioned that your mother was a street vendor long before you became a street vendor. What's your family history and how did your family perceive street vending? Well, well my mother, she migrated from, the, from Egypt uh, about 30 years ago. She came to the States. She was pregnant with me actually when she came to the States. And she, uh, she started off on a coffee cart in Brooklyn. And she kind of just worked her way up from there. She switched over from a coffee cart, then she went, uh, jumped over to a hot dog cart. And then that's kind of where she established the Rockefeller Center area and started parking her cart there. And you could kind of say the rest is history from there. You know, she's just been, uh, she put her name into the waiting list as far as the permit goes. And then from there on, she's just been kind of in between with the black markets, trying to get permits on her carts. And we kind of just, that's the area where we kind of just set our business. 49th Street and 6th Avenue, 48th Street and 6th Avenue. Me and my brother, as soon as we were of age, we had our licenses, became street vendors as well, followed in my mother's footsteps. What are you serving up there on the streets of New York City when you're out there? Well, we, I got uh, anything from, you know, of course, the traditional classic hot dogs, you know, and um, the pretzels, knishes, beef patties, halal food, uh, chicken over rice with the lamb over rice. All the good stuff. <laughs> It is New York culture. That is the taste of New York, right? It's depressing when you walk down Manhattan right now and you don't see uh, umbrellas lined up anymore going down the city. You know, it's, it, you just feel like something's missing. It's like a fire hydrant that's supposed to be there, but it's not there. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, you just feel like something's missing out, out the city now. Yeah, what was it like for you when you did return to the streets for that one day and the people just simply didn't come? What was that like? Uh, I, I got to say I was really depressed. More, more than upset, I was depressed, you know? It's just because I've seen everything that my mom's been working so hard for over the years just kind of crumble down, you know? It's, it just, I don't know. It, it, if I could put it into words, you know what I'm saying? It's just, I don't know what's next, you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of just all I knew my whole life is street vending. I was kind of born into it, you know what I'm saying? And now it's like, I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. I don't know where to go. Should I give up on the street vending and start a new career or... I don't know what's going on with me anymore, you know? Muhammad, I'm sure that is something that you're hearing from so many people right now. Yeah, that's right. Many vendors now talk to us. And when we ask them about their main concern, and they all say the future of the business. A lot of people maybe are so worried about today, about these coming months, but everyone is so worried about the coming years, the coming months, how they're going to recover, how things will go back to normal, how long it will take New York City streets to just get back to pre-COVID. And that is something that is like really scary for a lot of people, especially folks who don't have the safety net to rely on, who don't have the government support, who don't have enough savings to rely on, who don't actually have another option or another source of income. As we all know, many vendors don't have the luxury of having other opportunities like, okay, if I'm not vending today, I can go work in a company or I can go work in a bank. That's really not the situation with many vendors. A lot of vendors who are out there, vending is the only option for them to make a living. With that being said, let me bring Alex Simon Fox into the conversation. Alex, how is your foundation working right now to provide some support to New York City's street vendors? 
Sure. Um, so the Stavros Narcos Foundation created a COVID relief fund um, kind of at the head of the pandemic to help alleviate the impacts, particularly in New York City. Um, and we had focused on supporting groups like Street Vendor Project who have strong community ties and can quickly help people that are most impacted. The program we support through SVP um, stipends street vendors to create a couple hundred meals a week. Um, and those meals are then distributed in partnership with local CBOs. One of those is uh, Mixteca in Sunset Park and the other is in Highbridge. I believe it's La Futa Islamic Center. Um, and those meals go out to folks experiencing food insecurity in those communities. So you're helping to provide street vendors with some financial support, right? They're getting a stipend, you're covering costs for food and things like that? Cost of food, cost of transport, cost of distribution. And you're helping communities in need at the same time? Yeah. Um, you know, when Street Vendor Project um, told us about this project in our initial conversation, uh, we were really excited because it was kind of a chance to simultaneously address the serious food insecurity um, that you're seeing in a lot of New York City neighborhoods, particularly in Highbridge in the Bronx and uh, Sunset Park in Brooklyn, while simultaneously addressing the employment issues that are facing street vendors at the moment. Ahmed, talk to me about how this program is benefiting you at this moment. To be honest with you, George, um, as far as the program goes, that was a huge lifeline for me over the summertime, you know, especially with the city not granting me any aids. I signed up for the SBA loan. I signed up for the EIDL loan and I got, I signed up as a sole proprietor because I'm a street vendor and I got nothing back. You know, I got denied of everything that I uh, applied for. And then uh, my friend Muhammad contacted me um, and told me about the program that's going on. And I also saw it as an opportunity to feed the less fortunate as well, you know, and be part of a team, a great team of people that's doing some great things. And so at the end of the day, it definitely did help me out financially. I got to, you know, uh, pay a month of my rent off of it, which was, you know, it took a huge load off my shoulders. So it's definitely, it's definitely been uh, keeping, keeping the horse stable, you could say, you know? <laughs> It's keeping us going, you know, it's pushing, it's, it's helping us push through for sure, you know, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate everybody at the Street Vendor Project. Everybody, I appreciate everybody at the Stavros Nearcos Foundation that gave us an opportunity and all the great people that help pieces together. Yeah, Ahmed, talk to me more about how it feels, though, also to help these communities in need. To be honest, uh, since I'm, me, myself, I'm going through it financially as well, and I'm not really sure how next week I'll be able to provide the next meal for my family. So you know what I'm saying? Just to be able to be a part of that, to be able to feed families is just an honor on its own. When I do it, it's really like, it comes from the heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like me and my mother, she promised me not to say this, but me and my mother, when we were prepping the food and stuff, we kind of shed tears together, you know, in the kitchen and that things had to really come down to this. And then, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, we just, we're starting to lose hope slowly, you know what I'm saying? And then a program like this, it came in and it kind of just boosted our confidence again. You know, it, it helped us get back in the kitchen, get back to work, you know what I'm saying? And look forward to brighter days. Yeah, I would imagine that it simply just felt good to be back in the kitchen, right? Some normalcy in all of this. Just to get the, you know, get the feel of it again. Mohammed, how many street vendors are currently involved in this program? Well, so far we have 16 vendors who participated in this program. And by the end of the program, which is the end of the month, we will have in, in total about 32 vendors. 
which is super amazing because as Ahmed shared with us, for those 32 individuals, most of them, this is the only income they received since March. And you can imagine how someone will survive all this time with no income, with their business shut down. And again, the bills are still coming. You still have to pay the rent. You still have to cover your bills for your personal needs and your personal expenses. And again, the business expenses are still running. I mean, every vendor just like Ahmad still pay the commissary where they park their cars or trucks at monthly rent. They still have to pay for insurance for their vehicles that they use for transportation or driving the cars around. All the business expenses are still running. And with someone with no support and no income, how are they gonna survive and make it happen? So this opportunity has been super helpful for a lot of people and a lot of members are so happy and so grateful for this opportunity. And they are really seeing the value of not only making business and benefiting themselves, but also feeding hundreds, perhaps thousands of vendor of community members in different places across New York City and the Bronx and Brooklyn. I would imagine that there's some irony in there in the fact that these street vendors must be providing nutrition to other street vendors who are struggling, who are not part of this program in these communities. Uh, yeah, indeed. Indeed it is. And we have seen this, I would say, in the past six months, we've seen a lot of vendors actually stepping up to support each other. Like, even with the basic thing, with the basic support, like, I do remember when we first launched our uh, COVID-19 emergency fund to support street vendors, we have seen that many community members and many street vendors were donating actually to the fund to support other vendors. We have seen a lot of vendors who partnered and worked together just to get uh, across this harsh time and trying to support one another and work together and even work part-time to make little income, which was at some point better than nothing for a lot of people. How many street vendors do you represent? So we have uh, more than 2,300 members. Several hundred of them are active. And how many street vendors are there in New York City? So we estimate a total of 20,000 street vendors, 20,000 individuals across New York City. Have you already heard stories that some simply won't be returning? They've already packed it up. Sadly, yes. I heard from some members, they said, like, they just realized how the government overlooks street vendors, how the government ignores street vendors, and how there was no support out there. So I heard a couple of stories, a couple of sad stories from some of our members who said, we don't want to go back to vending after this. We should find something else that at least has a backup, that has a relief, that has support, whether from the government or a company or whatever. And it's really, it's really difficult to hear such a thing from someone who had at one day, at some point, they had a really big dream. And that dream is just shrinking to just go down, to just having an average job, to just make sure they get a paycheck by the end of the week. Alex, talk to me more about the foundation. I'm sure there are people listening right now that are not familiar with the foundation and the work that you do. Sure. The, St the Stavros Nerkas Foundation, uh, we go by SNF, um, is an international philanthropic organization uh, su su supporting nonprofits, 
across the world, we've done more than 4,700 grants in 132 countries. Um, SNF's big thing is having an open and ongoing application process. Any nonprofit can apply through our website. Uh, and we try and work flexibly to give nonprofits access to needed support. We focus on responding to needs as they arise, and we like to work with groups who can get support out on the group, on the ground, um, as quickly as possible to those who need it the most. And your offices are based in Midtown Manhattan, right? Um, our New York office is based in Midtown Manhattan, yes. Yeah, so when you go to work, you see the empty streets. Yeah, um, we do see the empty streets. And, you know, we got connected to SVP through a few different channels, um, but they had come to mind uh, because I actually had to come into the office in May and noticed that the woman who I normally buy um, a bacon, egg, and cheese from wasn't there. And my immediate thought was, I, oh my God, like, I hope she's okay, right? Because, you know, um, I know that, like, she doesn't speak a ton of English. Um, and, you know, they always have a decent line, but I was like, they probably haven't sold a bacon, egg, and cheese in, like, three months. Um, and that was kind of, you know, what was in the back of my mind. And then I saw that um, SVP had a program in Queens with uh, State Senator Ramos, and I kind of connected the two. So, Mohammed, who have been your biggest supporters? Well, so on the state level, I would say State Senator Jessica Ramos, for sure. Uh, state Senator Julia Salazar, Senator uh, Jackson. And I would say also on the city level, we have a really broad uh, support in the city council. So our champions always and have been always council member Shin and council member Minchaka, along with many other council members. I mean, we have 30 co-sponsors on our legislations and we have like, uh, we have many council members who come to every action, who come to every rally we have. So we, I really cannot name all of them, but I'll just name few of them who are always there I have to give a shout out to council member Carlina Rivera, council member Antonio Reynoso, Ben Kalos, uh, Steve Levin, uh, many others, uh, borough president, Brooklyn borough president, Eric Adams, uh, Manhattan borough president, Gail Brewer, who has a history of supporting street vendors. And we really have a broad support uh, across New York City. It's not only the city council and the board of presidents, but we also have a really good relationship and good support from the public advocate, Jumani Williams, and um, many others who see street vendors as an essential part of New York City. When they talk about racial justice, economic justice, when they talk about immigrant justice, any issue, you have to include street vendors in the conversation. No question that street vendors are part of the fabric of New York City. How can New Yorkers do their part to support street vendors during this very challenging time? Well, so they can do few things and I can give you all a big list, but let's start with few things. One, buy from your vendors. Say hi to them, buy their product, trust them. They are licensed. Most of them have the permit, which is not the big issue, right? You can't trust them once they have a license. They know how to cook the amazing food. They will serve you fresh product that is made with love and passion that you cannot find anywhere else. You cannot find in big corporation businesses. That's one way. Two, uh, if you can donate and support our emergency fund, please do that. You can find it on our social media, on our website, on our Twitter account. 
Three, you can follow us on social media. That would be very helpful to be aware of what street vendors are going through. Finally, for all New Yorkers, please, if you can call your elected official and ask them to support street vendors and support the legislation to 11-16, that would be super amazing. This legislation will be a historic change for all street vendors. We are talking about 4,000 new permits that will come along gradually in the next decade that will change the lives of 4,000 people who are serving New Yorkers every day, who are doing all the hard work to survive. So that's such a great opportunity that we don't want to miss. So please call your elected official, call your council member, call the speaker's office and tell them how much you love and support street vendors. Alex, any final words you want to offer from your perspective? The foundation is just really excited that we were able to find and support a project like this. That's, that's really my only parting comment. You know, we, we really look for groups with strong, they're like really embedded in their communities. Um, and I really can't think of a group that is embedded in the community that they support the way that Street Vendor Project is. Alex, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having us, George. Mohammed, thank you. Thank you so much, George, for having me. Ahmed, thank you, and uh, wish you the best of luck going forward. Thank you, George. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Ahmed Ibrahim is a hot dog vendor at New York's Rockefeller Center. Mohamed Atea is director of the Street Vendor Project, and Alex Simon Fox is a program officer with the Stavros Nyarkos Foundation. I'm George Bodarki. Our producer for Cityscape is Maddie Bristow. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs>